0: Hey there, listener. I'm so glad you're here. I look forward to sending you a message out every week. I sort of think of you as this spaceless friend that I get to share ideas with. You're a really good listener, by the way. My technical difficulties continued from last week, so I had to scrap the first half of my conversation with this week's guest. No amount of editing was able to save it. I'm thinking about changing the name of my podcast to Second Half Conversations. My guest is Demerick Patton, and he's a really interesting guy. Before he got saved, he was a professional storm chaser, which means there's a little bit of crazy in him. My kind of guy. You know what they say, crazy recognizes crazy. In this episode, we talk about identity and how knowing who we are is foundational to what we do in the world. Doing is important, but should be an expression of who God says we are. Let's get started, shall we? Hey, welcome to Chasing the Kingdom, where our goal is to provide hope and wisdom for spirit-led entrepreneurs. I'm John Balawa, and I believe God wants to use entrepreneurs to make the world better. Romans eight nineteen says that the world is decaying and groaning for the revealing of God's sons and daughters. And that means the world needs you. And there are problems that can't be solved until you step into your God-given identity. If you want to stir up those gifts, then you're in the right place. Let's get hyped up for today's show.
1: So I'm a big believer that there is a marketplace in heaven. And there's several reasons why. Um, One is everything that we have on earth is a type and a shadow of what is to come. Also, we really are being challenged by the Lord to out-imagine Him. Because we know in the scripture that it says, so in Ephesians 3.20 it says, That we are to give glory in a sense to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. So God is always doing more than we could ever ask for or think. He moves beyond our imagination. And so if we can imagine it, he's got something even more so. It's even bigger. It's even better. Uh, However, when we start to go to heaven regularly, through our imagination and that's it's it's not our imagination though it's a real place Our, our imagination is to be sanctified it's the place of where God gives us creativity but it's truly our interaction with him in the spiritual realm so that's if you're ever wondering how do you get tempted how do things come in there well we don't know how it works but we know that it works and it comes in through the imagination part of the brain that's where our temptation comes from um, but what God wants is sanctified imagination, where we are seeing the things of heaven that have been revealed through God's scripture. We go up there just like in uh, Revelation 4, where John was asked to said, come up here. So he went up there, and when we go into that place, then we walk around with Jesus. And we say, show me, show me the things of heaven that I am to bring to the earth. And at times, it'll be just because he wants to be with us, because he loves for us to have a relationship with Him and Him with us. He just loves being together. And when we go up into heaven, we should see ourselves as a child because to enter in the kingdom of heaven, we have to be a child. So eight's a good number because eight's the number of new beginnings. So if you see yourself as like an eight-year-old going in, being with Jesus, having fun with Him and walking around with Him, His heaven that He's created, then we say, okay, Lord, I really do want to serve you. I want to be obedient. What's my role in bringing heaven to earth? And he'll probably show us a few things that no one else has ever seen. Because he loves us that much, he's made us that unique. We all have great dignity and he dignifies us in our uniqueness. He dignifies us in our unique gift. And so then when we see that in heaven, then our role is to bring it to earth. That's what we can do and we can ask him how to do that. I love that you mentioned imagination because
0: uh, I do believe that imagination is extremely important in communicating with God. Um, It's extremely important in living a life of faith because we can't believe things or for things if we can't see, right? Um, At least with the inner man. And that's why Paul was saying, he was praying for the saints that their eyes would be opened, the eyes of their hearts would be opened so that they would see the hope of their calling so that they would see the riches of the inheritance and the power that is available to us just because we believe and so imagination is really important in bringing heaven down to earth.
1: yeah i agree and that's a great scripture that you quoted that paul talks about the eyes of our hearts the eyes of our inner person as you said our inner man which is the spirit In this body of flesh will die. Our spirit person will move into the realm of being with Jesus. And then at the right time, the consummation of all events, he will give us a new body that is imperishable. And um, until that time, though, because this body of death, it is... It makes it difficult for us to see into the spiritual realm. There are a few people who can see into the spiritual realm just as clearly as you and I see each other. Right. Most people can't see that clearly into the spiritual realm. Most people can't hear that clearly into the spiritual realm as though it's audible to them. Most of us have to really turn inward and ask God to quicken our spirits because our spirits are naturally, when they first come to life, when Jesus comes in in us by his spirit and gives life to our spirit person that had died because of sin but now has life we have life but what he requires after that is activity and faith exercise yeah so we pray for the quickening of our spirits by God's spirit that more and more and more that we might be able to see that we might be able to hear because when we move into that place then we move into the realm of communicating with God as we are already seated with him in a heavenly place Right. So our spirit's with him, and yet our spirit's here. How does that work? I don't know. The best version I've heard is there's there's like layers. We're one, but a layer of me is in heaven. A layer of me is here because God can be in all dimensions at the same time, and the same spirit lives within us. So somehow we're in that dimension and this dimension at the same time. Right. And so he communicates to us, and he wants us to know. He did not leave us as orphans. I'm not a believer that God takes time off where he doesn't speak to us. He's a good dad who's always there, who doesn't go away and leave us on our own to figure things out. No, he gave us his spirit so that we would know that he's always with us. He says that I never leave you, I never forsake you. So he's with us at all times, wanting us to have that relationship with him, knowing that we can go at any time. Now, there are times he may say, hey, I'm not going to give you the answer because I trust you. Right. When we really move into that place of maturity, he's like, I trust you like a son. You have my heart because you have stored up my word. You have shown over time your obedience, your love for me, a purity, a devotion. And he's like, you choose. When we're young in our faith, we ask God, what should I do? And then he tells us what the best pathway forward is. When we really have his heart, when we've really walked with him for a long time, a lot of times he's like, you choose. He trusts us. Because there's, there's steps that we move up in the kingdom of. When we first come to Christ, it's, it's likened as a servant or a slave. And then we're elevated to friends. And friendship is known by he shares secrets with his friends. Right. And then we're elevated to sons and daughters of the king. And that comes from having his heart. Obedience and intimacy over a long period of time. Obedience is always going to show that we love him. Right. So. And
0: in order to obey, we need to hear him. You know, the the Bible says that uh, Jesus said, uh, my sheep shall know my voice mm-hmm. um, so we need to be intentional to hear him the problem and the challenge is that in Job it says that the Lord is always speaking but there are some that aren't recognizing it right and then even in the New Testament it said that God spoke but some thought it was thunder that's right so like if we're not intentional about hearing the voice of God and getting better at recognizing His voice, we'll just pass about as something
1: natural. That's exactly right. So, some thought it thundered, some thought it was the voice of an archangel, and some recognized that it was the Father. And that shows uh, somewhat discernment, but also the quickening of the Spirit, how alive was their spirit, because those who were dead spiritually, they would have heard it as a natural event because they didn't have spiritual ears to discern the voice. Right. And so that's a very good clarification. And so that's where the scripture is clear on this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then we are to hunger and thirst for righteousness and seek and you will find, knock on the door will be open. There is this over and over and over communicated practice. Of seeking him of desiring him when we seek him we will find him but we have to seek the idea of like with kids with hide and seek is it's not just sitting out in the open that's not fun for for a child just to to find the person they want you to hide well God in a sense he's hidden from us in one way and that's somewhat because of sin but in another way it's by his own wisdom and so he wants to find out how much do we really want to know him how much do we really desire intimacy with him how much do we really want to do as well? and so he doesn't always just put it all out in the open but he has to seek and seek and seek the and we will find knock on the door will be opened and an important
0: element of seeking is expectancy two of my favorite scriptures one is in hosea and it, it says, Let us press on to know the Lord, for his coming forth is as sure as the dawn. So basically, God is saying, As sure as you know the sun is going to rise tomorrow, that is how sure you should be that God is going to answer you. Um, my in the other favorite scripture i have lots of favorite scriptures but <laughs> the one i'm thinking about right now is uh hebrews 11:6, 6 where where god says like um it is impossible to please god without faith for those who come after him must know two things one is that he exists yeah that's the easy part to for christians a lot of you know if you're if you're a christian you believe it exists it's the second part that I see a challenge with Christians. And that second part, he says, you must believe that I am a rewarder from those who diligently seek me. And so the I believe the reason why we aren't hearing God and we're not using our imagination to bring heaven down to earth is because we're not believing that he will reward us, that he will answer us that he will show us. And so our faith doesn't even activate it, activate it for us to see what he's trying to show us. And therefore, we, do, we can't even hope.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's really good. I agree with you. So I guess the question is, so how do we go about actively, diligently seeking him, believing that he is rewarder of those who diligently do seek him? Um, and that comes from spending time with them. I do believe in him telling us who we are. Right, identity. Because a lot of times we wanna define ourselves by what we do. People ask each other all the time, what do you do? Because they're trying to define the other person. It makes it easier to find little places that we can plug people into of what we're familiar with or what we know. And that's not bad in our human realm. It gives us an understanding of a person's motivations, their gifts, their experience, their background, those things, but it's not who they are. What we do is not who we are. Who we are defines what we do, right? And God's the one that gives us identity. We start with the scripture, but then we go to our individual identity and who did God make me? What I look like matters. The time period he put me in matters. The family he put me in matters. The gifts that he gave me, the desires, the experiences, the hopes, the dreams, the passions, all of those things matter. We don't discount anything, but then we sit in his presence and we say, but who do you say I am? right Just as he he asked peter that question some profound question to go and ask the lord who do you say i am because at the end of the day what matters is who he says i am not what anybody else says not what i say in today's world uh there has been this license that's not given by the lord it's given by the world for people to define who they are right that's not the right order right the pond doesn't say i'm a pot or the cup doesn't say i'm a pot right uh, we go to the Lord and we say, who do you, you say? And then when he says who we are, we know that from that identity flows our works. Right. And so that's what we allow him to do is when he says, this is who you are from there, everything flows from that.
0: Well, you are prophetic because this is something I have been really meditating on in the past week. And what God has been showing me is that He wants us to focus on being. And by focusing on the being, the doing will take care of itself. Um, But that's such a simple thing that's hard to do. Because being requires trust. Being requires a letting go. You're basically believing what God sent you are and letting go. Whereas doing takes control, it it's an illusion, um, and especially here in the Western uh, world, we believe in doing. Mm-hmm. It it makes us feel like we're being productive. It makes us feel like we're accomplishing something. And so, a lot of what we measure ourselves with is what we do. Like that is not that's not pattern that was created. It was be, and then do. Yeah. Um. Jesus
1: talks about the four soils. And the four soils are first being, what soil am I going to be? Right. So because we look at the production, well, what's the soil produce? If we want that soil to produce a good crop, it first has to be a good soil. So within that soil, it has to be deep, and it's got to have a lot of humus. The word humus and humility come from the same root word in Latin, and that's basically to die. So when we die to ourselves, when we die to our own agenda, we become a good soil. That's what humility is. It's dying to my agenda, my flesh, what I want. And it's becoming alive to what God wants and his spirit. And then I become a good soil in which when we sow and we're sown into, now a great harvest can be produced. Right. Because one of the principles of Scripture that Jesus teaches many times and is taught elsewhere is sowing and reaping. We will always have a harvest for what we have sown. Now, if we sow sin, we will have a harvest of death at some point. Unless, and this unless is key, unless we repent. If we wait until the harvest of death has come, we can still repent, but it won't take away the harvest. A lot of times when we get to the point of pain where we're getting the consequence to our sin, we want that to go away, but we were unrepentant until then. So godly sorrow leads us to repentance. That's a part of repentance, actually. And then restitution. If we're at the place already of where we are getting the fullness of what we deserve for the sin, then we must make it right the best we can in what the Lord has asked us to do. That's a biblical principle as well. So we have to look at sowing and reaping, but sowing comes out of the being part first, as you're saying. That's the essence of it is, who am I? Who does God say I am? lining everything in my character, knowing that my spirit is perfect because God makes it perfect. But now I'm bringing the flesh underneath the insubordination and underneath the, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, but it's basically the tutelage of the spirit, where the spirit is saying, okay, flesh, this is how you're to operate. That's why it says uh, to not be led by the flesh, is if you're led by the flesh it leads to death but to be led by the spirit and if we're led by the spirit we won't be led by the flesh that's how we bring the flesh underneath it and subservient to it subordinate to it and keep in step with god's spirit so keep in step with the spirit and therefore we won't satisfy the desires of the flesh so then therefore it's a cadence it's a rhythm it's really the music of god and we understand what his cadence his rhythm his what he is composing Um, In our lives and we keep in step with that. So we're always looking to him. We're looking to the spirit who's who's beside us What cadence is he in we are listening to him? And then in that Our sin goes way way down because we're spending so much time focused on the good. We don't have time for the bad, right? How do we get rid of uh, a Weeds in a yard so to speak or like sin in our life healthy yard the best way to get rid of weeds in a yard is to feed the healthy stuff and you don't even have to pull the weeds, they get choked out actually by the healthy yard. Uh, people who have lawns, they know that. But if stuff starts to die, if the grass starts to die, the weeds start to come up. Keep a healthy lawn when the weeds don't come up. Once again, how do we kill those those weeds? Sin, so to speak? Repentance. And then God will quickly fill it in with that healthy yard using that illustration. And it keeps the weeds choked out. And so. Then we sow, 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 sow. And we don't grow weary in doing good and sowing. Because at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. And that's then where it comes juxtaposed with your scripture of uh, Hebrews eleven We're diligently seeking Him, believing that He is a rewarder of those who do so. Knowing that with that, with what He's called us to sow. So we we do do, because that's our sowing. So we're going to sow. But we're sowing from who we are and what He's given us and what He's called us to do. And not from an activity of believing, well, if I just do this, I'll get this. If we think that we can outwit God, and if I do this, then he has to do this for me. Then we're trying to use manipulation. And there are spiritual truths that some things will come to pass, but it won't be uh, purely and it won't probably end in purity because it's not starting there. So we want to go to the purity of my relationship with him. Who does he say I am? And then allow my works to flow from there and continue to sew until, until he tells me to stop sewing. If he does.
0: Yeah, I I think he made it. Pretty sure he made it. <laughs> I know he made it mm. to where it wouldn't work without the key. Us knowing who we are, won't work. Wow. And being who we are, won't work without the key. And the key is relationship with Jesus Christ. It has to come from there. He made, when he decided to make the game, he made that the number one rule. And so anything outside of that is us doing before being. Being requires trust. Doing should be an expression and a way that we could relate to others coming from who we are. Doing is just an expression of who we are. And so when we fail or when we do the things, it doesn't kill us because it's not what we are. We are moving from what we are.
1: Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, our, our identity is in Him. And the Father from the very beginning desired a lot more Jesuses, you could say. We were made in His image. And so the goal becomes to become just like Him in the unique expression that we are, but just like Him we would hope that the world would sometimes ask us we would know we've arrived so to speak when the world would ask us are you jesus they would so see past the flesh and they would see by the spirit and we would be so in step of the spirit so alive in christ so filled with love that they would mistake us for jesus himself and so that would be our hope as followers of Jesus, as those who have found our identity in Him first, knowing that we are a unique expression and the goal is imitating Him, be imitators of God. And so then when we look at the scripture, everywhere you see God moving and acting, you say, how do I imitate that? How do I imitate that? And I do that all the time. Well, I see God as Creator God who speaks and then it is. So I spend a lot of time speaking out loud, knowing that the power of life and death is found in the tongue, that our words matter. God will have us give account for every idle word we speak. So therefore, that doesn't mean we don't have fun. Having fun can be very purposeful and very good. I believe that 50% of heaven, if we put percentages on it, it's actually going to be 100%. But if you wanted to boil it down this way, it's just going to be fun activity. God loves fun. He is a fun person. And so that's purposeful. So idle words doesn't mean it's not fun. What that means is, is this actually accomplishing love? is it accomplishing good? Is it revealing God's purposes, his intents, his character to others? And is it bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth? And if those words aren't, then we can probably say they're idle, but it doesn't mean we don't have fun because fun is in heaven as well. We just want to have righteous fun. I
0: I believe fun is an extremely important aspect of God's will. So uh, we serve a fun God. You know, I want to respect your time. Uh, Thank you. We had some technical difficulties, but we managed to get through it. Thank God for editing. Um, But it was an honor to have you, my friend, and I look forward to more with less technical difficulties.
1: You as well. Thank you for having me, John. This has been a real treat today. Thank you. As for me as well. Hey, I hope you like the show.
0: If you got something from it and want to bless me back, leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And also subscribe to my channel. If you want to connect with me on social media, my Instagram is at kingdom.moves. I pray that God gives you hope and that you step into everything he's got planned for you. Peace.